friends. We are so glad to have you with us at this week's episode of The Collective Podcast, where we strive to serve the church and bless the city. Each episode of the podcast is hopefully going to encourage us through highlighting beautifully ordinary women living extraordinary lives of faithfulness. These women come from all areas of life, all ages, stages, and places. And I hope what we're going to see is that these women beautifully challenge us to be all who God has created us to be and call us toward our next best step of faithfulness, our next yes. Today's episode is all about discipling through friendship and how we have to earn the right to be heard. We want to live in a way that we walk just as Jesus walked. We don't preach at people, but we walk alongside people, inviting them into the fullness of everything that is our mighty, mighty God. So with me today is my amazing and lovely co-host, Holly Carpenter. And today we're going to be interviewing some amazing women. Holly, mm-hmm. tell us what's in store. Yeah, so we've got some amazing women here today. The best way to talk about discipleship through friendship is to lead out with a story. And the story is just one that is so deeply encouraging. It's one that's impacted me and so many other people. And so we're going to use the friendship of Liz and Sierra to talk through and highlight the ways that they have built relationships with those who are far from Christ, how they've shared the gospel in their areas of influence, and then how they've been able to make big impacts on the kingdom through just their small steps of faithfulness. So without further ado, let's meet our dear friends, Liz and Sierra. Before we get started, we want everyone to know just a little bit about yourselves. So tell them who you are, how long you've been around Watermark, and what in life is keeping you busy these days. So Liz, kick us off. Hey guys, well, thanks for having us. Uh, My name is Liz. I've been hanging out at Watermark for about six years and this has been just a really interesting season for me personally, just kind of walking through um, a season of infertility the last couple of years and just some health stuff. So that's taken up quite a bit of time. Um, and then our my newest kind of endeavor is working part-time for my husband, which people say can't be done, but we are doing it. And so far oh, it's been awesome. You still like each other? We <laughs> love each other still. It's great. Jehovah. <laughs> Praise him. And I am Sierra. I'm really excited to be here with you guys. And uh I came to Watermark about five years ago, and so have just been um, in and out of ministries here. And so one of the ministries that I now um, get to serve on and work with um, here at Watermark is my full-time job. And so that's been really cool. And it's just been a really awesome season. I've just seen the Lord work um, in a lot of ways through my family and friends. And um, so I'm really, really excited to talk about this. So fun. Well, this is a story that I am very acquainted with because Sierra is one of my roommates. Liz is one of my friends. I've heard this story many times, (laughs) and I think it is going to be deeply encouraging to all the women listening today. So let's start out. Let's tell everyone how you guys met and really just want to paint a picture of where y'all were at because this was five years ago, I think. So Mm -hmm. Liz, kick us off. What do you remember about meeting Sierra? Oh, I remember the first (laughs) day I laid eyes on Sierra and... She, um, I was working at a small nonprofit and she walked through the door for an interview, sat down and I was at the time sitting at the front of the office. And so I greeted her and she just wasn't very responsive. And we sat down because, um, the person interviewing her was running a little bit late. So I had tried to strike up conversation and essentially was just getting stiff armed with a very <laughs> cold look on her face. It was not happening. Yes. It was like, oh. This is awkward. (laughs) So that was my first impression of Sierra. And I was like, what is it going to be like if this girl gets a job here? So, and I was just so angry at life and angry at God and just angry at everything. And so 
anyone that was put in front of me probably got the mm-hmm. stiff arm. Um, Liz just happened to be on the other side of that in that moment. Um, but I was really going through a tough time. Like it, I was getting a new job, but I had been laid off from my other job. It had closed down. Uh, I just ended my master's. My relationship was in turmoil. I was living with the guy. I'd been with him for eight years. And uh, I had been living with him for almost three, and it just was really chaotic. Uh, and so anyone who was peppy and fun, I was not about because yeah. I was very angry and bitter. <laughs> and for me, I had been walking with the Lord for about a year. And so I had this kind of newfound hope and energy for life, just understanding how much I'd been forgiven of my sins. The Lord was freeing me from just a lot of sin in my own life. And I was truly experiencing what it was to walk with Christ and getting connected to a local church and getting friends that were also believers who were super encouraging. So I was like kind of brand new walking in my faith. And at that point was a part of a young adult ministry that was um, teaching and training me how to share my faith and my story. So that's kind of where I was Mm. when our paths intersected. Mm -hmm. And so Sierra, you get the job. And you have to face peppy face Uh every day. Oh, yeah. You want to hear something (laughs) really funny and how God is so crazy. Um, She used to sit at the front of the office and then she moved to the cubicle right next to me. Tell me God don't have a sense. (laughs) Tell me. Oh, I love it. Okay, so Liz. So you start actively pursuing a friendship with Sierra. Was that right away or what did did that look like? Yes. Well, so a little context of where we were working at the time, there was only four employees. So wow. Sierra oh. made- She could not hide from you, We can't hide, right? No. So <laughs> Sierra made five, and then another person who used to work where she did came to work with us as well. And so um, I just initially started, you know, greeting her in the morning. Hey, how are you? Like just kind of small talk is really how everything started out. And that was really the cadence of our friendship for several months until like Sierra said, I got moved to the back. We hired a full-time receptionist, which kicked me to the back. And then I was right next to Sierra. So then we were able to have more kind of like in-depth conversation about our lives and where we were. And I just kind of led out even in sharing of my own life in hopes that it would break down walls for her to feel comfortable to share about hers. Mm. So it was just over time. I mean, it was like the little conversations, a lot of prayer on my end, and then also just a lot of listening, asking questions, seeking understanding, like, hey, where are you at? What's going on in your life? What's important to you? Like mm. all that kind of stuff, just getting to know each other. This impression was of Liz, but now that she's actively engaging with you, did that change at all? How did you feel when she was interacting with you? Honestly, so it was. it's kind of this weird dynamic because I didn't really have a lot of great friends, but yet I, I wanted to keep people at a distance because I had this deep desire for people to think that I was perfect and that my life was fully together when it absolutely was not. So I didn't want her to know the true me, but I was also desperate for friendship. So it's this weird dynamic. But I look back at that time and it it really was just those small instances that started to break down the wall. Like I really do think it was like chipping away slowly but surely because there's not a point where I could be like, oh, Liz and I were friends until – some major stuff happened in my life and 
man, some stories that we could tell. Um, and the Lord, how he just simply put us in the same scenarios all the time. It was like we had to go to meetings together, so we'd have to ride together. Um, and we just started to share life together, which was really beautiful because that's what really was helpful for me. Mm-hmm. So then what changed the dynamic between you two? What was that point where you said, hey, I'm going to reach out to this girl. I need help. So there's two big instances where I can think of, um, but one, my relationship started to fall apart to the point where uh, it was like, okay, maybe there's conversations of us breaking up, him moving out. Um, and she was really the only person that I kind of felt safe with. And so I started to share just like bits of information, really to see how she would respond and react. And she never judged me. Um, her life looked very different from me, but she was always so kind and willing to hear me out and to be like, oh my gosh, that's awful. Or I'm so sorry that that's happening instead of being like, mm, see, told you, um, which was really helpful. And so then slowly but surely I got to a safe place. Which then led me to the point where um, when my relationship did end, um, in my head, this is what happened. It was like, okay, fine, I'll give that stupid thing that she keeps inviting me to a chance because she's stupid and I'm just going to go because (laughs) this is all that I have. Like, I was like justifying it in my head that it was stupid, but I was going to do it because I don't know. Um, But really, it was the Lord just pursuing me. And so, Liz, you were inviting her to the porch that is a young adult gathering at Watermark. Correct. Like, one thing that I tried to do was follow Sierra's lead in what she would share. So just um, she would, if she wasn't in a place where she was ready to offer up a lot of information, then I just followed her lead in that, you know, and just responded to whatever she would share. And so same thing, I would invite her almost every single Tuesday to come to the porch with me. And she always had an excuse as to why she couldn't come. And I was like, all right, cool. No big deal. You know, just like, no, you're always welcome. If you ever want to go, let me know. Um, and so, yeah, then when her relationship ended, what was really sweet was instead of me asking that Tuesday, I didn't. And she actually came to me and said, hey, are you going oh. to that thing tonight? And like wanted to come. So the Lord just kind of was obviously at work, just softening her heart and desire to come and, and see more. And so up is. until that point, was there ever a point where you're you're asking, you're asking, you're asking and you, that may be that week where you didn't ask her. Like, did you ever get to a point where you're like, okay, Lord, I did my part. And yeah. did you feel done? Of like, <laughs> yeah. all right, she's not going to respond. Yes. I multiple times, especially at first. But I think because Sierra, honestly, I love telling, I love when people get to meet you, Sierra, because you're so joyful. Like there's a gladness. And I joke like Sierra went from mad to glad when she met Jesus Seriously. because she just was like attitude. And but so over time, there was just like this softening that I could see that the I could just so see the Lord at work that really kept me going. But for sure, at first it was like we have zero. We've never met each other. We're starting from ground zero. This can this was discouraging at times. And I think, you know, for all of us who have people in our lives that we're wanting to share the gospel with or love on, and you just feel like you're hitting a wall, it can be incredibly discouraging, which is why prayer and going to the word is so important just to be reminded of the truth of God, that he doesn't give up on us to allow, you know, that he can shape our perspective to be one of compassion and persistence. I mean, and I even think about now, like post all of that, you telling me the conversations you'd have with like your community and with just a bunch of people. Yeah, I'm like, pray for Sarah. Like, help me. What do I say to this girl? Isn't that beautiful? And I think that shows too, like, the total transformation in you, Sierra, where 
we're laughing about it now, but like that was very, very real. And so Liz, when you're sharing, was it you who shared the gospel with Sierra or was it, did you become a believer through the porch? Like, and what was it like for you as you're sharing those like moments of truth in the hard situation? I mean, cause I think for all of us and people who are listening, it's, it's okay to like be a really good friend and to go, Oh man, I'll pray for you. But to take that next step of like, you know, what's missing in you is Jesus. You know, that can be a really hard transition for some of us. So was that, was that hard for you? I'm weird with, I have no dates. I know a lot. I remember. And so March 17th is when I first went to the porch, wow. St. Patrick's Day, because I could have gone to the bars, but I didn't. And so I went to the porch and then April 17th, I went out for a friend's birthday um, and I was going on Tuesdays every, for the past four Tuesdays, I went to the porch, but would go out on the weekends, get wasted, blackout drunk. And so it was like, I was living a double life. And then April 17th, went out for a friend's birthday and made a lot of bad decisions, one night stand. And April 18th, I walk in to a gender reveal party for one of our coworkers and Liz is there. And she looks at me with this weird face. She's like, what's wrong? What happened? I was like, God told her um, what happened last night. And then that was when, I don't even remember, I kind of blacked out from a lot of that story, but. Yeah, it, so she just, Sierra just looked at in shambles, honestly, and just in distress. I mean, like she just said, she was in the in this tension of like starting to know who Jesus is, but feeling the pull of the world. And it was like visible on her face that something was up. So I just pulled her to the side. I'm like, hey, are you okay? She's like, no, not really. I just had a one night stand starts to cry. And I was like, hey, like through Christ, you can be forgiven. And he paid for all your sins and he loves you and you're not defined by this mistake. And I just got an opportunity to like share this hope of Jesus and like the new life that he brings and the new way that he brings. And her demeanor just like shifted. And it was like, okay, this is where the gospel intersects the most broken parts of our stories and renews hope. And so um, that was like, I think there were other moments where we had like talked about Jesus, obviously, especially when she started coming to the porch. But that was like the moment that shifted that God really used to right. shift. So that was the everything. first time you actually tangibly shared the gospel with her. You sat down and explained mm -hmm. what that actually means. So up until this point, mm -hmm. the groundwork was laid through that trust that was being built through those small interactions right. that got you to the point, right. Sierra, where you could walk up to Liz and say, this is everything. I need help. What do you have to offer? And then you got to interject at that point. Which is also so cool because this is everything that we're wanting to do with our time together is remind each other that it's not always huge sweeping acts of boldness, but it takes little bitty acts of, of consistent bravery and consistently laying yourself out there to be loving and be kind and be a friend to someone, to put them in a position where God's the one who's going to change their heart and you just get to be this vessel mm -hmm. for it, which is so cool. It's so cool. So yes. it feels like this would be the climax of the story, but it's really not. So there's a lot that has happened since that moment when Sierra trusted in Christ. So I just want to know what's that impact looked like from your friendship on you and those around you really just want to know the trajectory that God has put you on. So Liz, from then on out, I feel like a lot changed really quickly after this. Yes. So what was so, this is one of my favorite parts of the story. So before Sierra was hired about a solid two months 
for a solid two months before then, I was just really wrestling with the Lord feeling like I wanted to leave my job and I couldn't put my finger on why, but, and I couldn't put my finger on what there was no clear. This is what I want you to go to, but there was a stirring in me to leave. And so I was in this season of just patiently waiting for the Lord to make this clear. And then we hire Sierra and this other person. And I thought, okay, maybe this was kind of the stirring the Lord had. It's like, there's a shakeup at the foundation we're working for and like things are changing. I'm getting to do new things. Um, and then that feeling like kind of came back. But in that time, I was probably at the foundation for five more months. And that's when Sierra and I formed a friendship and got to know each other. And the Lord just went to work in her life and allowed me to be a part of it. And so um, once Sierra accepted Christ, like out of nowhere, three weeks later, um, I get this phone call from Watermark and um, this guy who's a dire- was a director here at the time, he was like, hey, um, this is really random. Someone tossed your name out to um, see if you would be interested in coming on staff full time in this position to work, you know, Sunday mornings, all this. And I was like, no way. So I ended up accepting the job and ro- came on staff shortly after. And so we had this moment in the parking lot on, I told Sierra, you know, hang up the phone, tell Sierra immediately. And she's like, oh my gosh, do you see what God did? And she's like, think about it. You were wanting to leave the foundation and God kept saying, no, wait. And you couldn't really figure out why. And then I came and then we formed this friendship and you got to share Jesus with me. And now that you did, it's like he's opening the door for you to say, okay, now move on to what I have next. So I came on staff and was on staff for about um, four and a half years. So y'all, but dates again, are my thing. And so Liz and I had that conversation at the gender reveal party, April 18th. And then by May 7th, she was gone. Like, that's so crazy. And and I love how God is just in the details of it all. And I love how um, he's just so sovereign over every single moment in our lives that he would be able to just plan that all out. So that's really cool. Um, And I think that's also really impactful for me when I think about God being in the details, because because of that conversation, because of our friendship, because of Liz's faithfulness, um, I had the opportunity to meet Jesus and he completely transformed my heart and my life um, where I got to serve, you know, with women who are hurting and broken in very similar situations. And I got to learn from the same ministry, The Porch, how to share my faith and how to share my story um, and got to go through, um, you know, a recovery ministry here and got to learn all the deep patterns within my life and how that largely was impacted by my family. Um, And so it's been really sweet to be able to now go back to them and have conversations um, and ask for forgiveness and make amends with them. And now since having those conversations, a lot of very tough conversations um, with my family, but my sister has come to know the Lord um, in this process. um, And so is my mom and uh, we're still working on my dad. Um, But uh, but all of them are willing to have conversations and be open to it. And so it's really cool to think about just how the Lord um, just weaves our stories together um, to the point where one simple step of faithfulness has impacted an entire family yes. um, and and hopefully families and generations to come. Like I, I plan and, and hope that the Lord would allow me to, to marry and have kids and pour into them. And it's like that one faithfulness 
step that could have easily been written off because God wasn't answering her prayer. But yet this is the impact. Um, So I love it. And isn't that just the kindness of God that he would he would have a plan that is so far beyond anything that we can comprehend, anything beyond what we can imagine. And C.S. Lewis described God as the hound of heaven. And I see that so much in your story, Sierra. I see him not stopping until he gets his prey. And it's like he was after your heart. And I think, too, it's just such a good time to stop and remind our listeners that it doesn't take huge steps always. It can take a small everyday yes to be um, just a vessel of kindness toward our coworkers. And we never know the trickle-down effect that that's going to have toward bringing more people into the kingdom of God. And Mm -hmm. so even if it doesn't, the joy that you're bringing to the Lord and being obedient is is all that he's asking of us. He's not asking us. Liz was never in charge of Sierra's salvation. That has always been the job of the Lord to turn our hearts. But Liz's faithfulness got to play a part in your salvation, which I think is so, so beautiful. And so for both of you, knowing what you know now, if you could go back, what advice would you give yourselves kind of the the Sierra of old, the Liz of old, what would you, what advice would you give yourselves? Uh, I think I would go back to old Sierra and I would just say, man, be open to friendships, um, be open to engaging with people who are different than you, who are peppy and love Jesus, even when you don't, um, because you just get to learn so much. And um, I learned a lot about myself through that friendship, even before really coming to know Christ. Um, I, I got to learn a lot about myself and to just um, be open to breaking down that wall um, and being fully known really allowed me um, to fully accept the gospel. Um, And so I would just say, have friends. Mm -hmm. Um, Engage with people who are different than you um, and allow them to love you when they they try, Uh, because I think I try to push them away a lot. And I would say, yes. I would say um, don't grow weary because there are, I think for all of us, and even still today, I have to remind myself, don't grow weary, lean on the Lord, lean on other believers around you who can encourage you and pray for you in these conversations you're having, engaging with the loss, because I think the enemy wants us to feel discouraged, like we're not seeing the fruit of it, but the reality is we have no clue how God is working in people's lives. And so don't give up hope and don't grow weary and loving that hard coworker and loving that hard family member and loving that hard friend. Um, God is at work in ways that we can't see. Mm, So good. So this is what you would tell yourselves back then. We want to know what you would tell women today. So just using your story as an example, how would you encourage women today as they're engaging with non-believers? What do you hope they take away from this story? I hope that people really just remember the simplicity of the greatest commandment, which is to love God with everything in you and then to love others because it truly is a trickle-down effect. And I think the other thing is Well, there's three verses that I go back to a lot in terms of um, just living out my faith. The first is Matthew 9, 36. It talks about how Jesus looks at the loss with compassion. And I think that perspective is so important because it would be easy for us to take it personally when someone who is lost responds poorly. It makes us kind of want to react poorly, you know, but Jesus responds with compassion. And so how do you, you know, how do we just continue to live with a mindset of Christ that 
um, these people that we're engaging with who don't know him, um, they need our compassion, you know? And then 1 Corinthians 2, 1 through 4, this was like huge for me when I was especially learning to share the gospel because Paul kind of airs his own insecurity of not having eloquent words. And I think we all can feel that. And I felt that in conversations with Sierra and he reminds himself and reminds us in that passage, it is not um, the power of our words that changes people. It's the power of God. And so just remembering, um, you know, you be faithful in those little interactions and God is ultimately the one who will move hearts and he will give you the words. Um, And then just, I think the last I mean, everything's so important, but like one of the things that just I get so passionate about, it comes from Romans 2, 4, but it's that God's kindness leads us to repentance. And so I even go back to that day at the baby shower with Sierra and the look on her face was one of shame and it was broken. And the last thing she needed was for me to be like, see, I told you. And she needed the kindness of God. And so I because the Lord had so kindly revealed himself to me, I got to share with her, here's how good and kind God is. And that's ultimately what um, changed her and changed her life. It was the Lord's kindness that led her to repentance. And so I think just as you move through conversations with people, it's just remembering like, hey, be compassionate. God looks at, or Christ looks at us with compassion um, and that you can trust him and his power that's at work to, you know, move people's hearts and ultimately just live in a kind way to reflect the kindness yeah. of Christ. So good. Pastor, I don't want to go anymore. Thank I'm you. Just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> and we're done. Just kidding. Mind drop. Um, I, it, that's why I love her. Um, no, but I think for me, I'm so passionate about evangelism, um, especially in the workplace and especially um, just in random times. If you're at a coffee shop in line at Chipotle, like wherever you are, I'm so passionate about it because you never know what that conversation will lead to. Um, and I would say a lot of times people might listen to this story and think like, well, I don't have a cool story like that. Or or I can't see the fruit, you know, in five years. Um, and that's not what we're called to. It's beautiful when you get to see this, but we're just called to be faithful in that moment. And you just, my friend gave me this analogy about it's just chopping a tree down. Um, and sometimes you see the tree fall over um, and sometimes you're just whacking at it for a long time and you never, ever see the tree fall down. Um, And just so happened that we got to see the tree fall. I would just say to the person who is engaging with a non-believer, I think we can easily fall into insecurities about how we present the gospel. We think sometimes it has to be this beautiful thing and I'm so creative and I can draw this bridge illustration and and that's when they're going to accept Christ. And if you look at our story, that's not what built um, the, the consistency and the friendship that allowed her to share the gospel. But instead, it was that relationship. And so I always go, um, one of my favorite scriptures to go to is 2 Corinthians um, 2.15. Um, and it just says, uh, for we are the aroma of Christ to God among those who are being saved and among those who are perishing. And I always say this analogy because I think it's so funny. Like, we are meant to be the aroma of Christ. And think about your old aunt that wears that perfume that walks in the door and you're like, whoa. she's here Um, like that's what you want to be you want to walk in the room and you want people to be like man something's different about her Um, where that's what we want people to see not that we have some very awesome way to share the gospel but when people see something's different they want to know what it's about and they're going to be willing to sit there and hear about the gospel and the amazing God that has radically changed your heart and life that that just comes 
after there's like a quote that um, says, "I'll if I have an hour to spend with someone, um, I'm going to spend 59 minutes getting to know them and the last minute sharing the gospel. Mm-hmm. And I am just so passionate about that. It is truly about relationship. And they're going to trust the, the Christian before ever they trust their Christ. And so I think that's really important. And what's beautiful about that is it's applicable for every woman at every stage of life. Totally. And I think something we can do as women sometimes is write write ourselves a free pass to not be uncomfortable and not share the truth of the gospel, maybe because of the life stage we're in. Like Liz, I so appreciated you sharing earlier that you're going through a season of suffering right now. And you're going through a season mm-hmm. where it would be completely understandable for us to go, I mean, I'm not, you're off the hook right now. Like you are fighting for a baby that you so desire. And, and mm-hmm. how can you talk about a good God when you're in the midst of walking through a valley of suffering and, or moms of young kids that are like, well, I, I see a total of seven people in a given week, you know, cause they're confined to their house. But what I think is so beautiful is that there is something that every woman can take from this story to take their next step of faithfulness. Well, Liz, Sierra, thank y'all so much for joining us today. I mean, what a treat it was. I hope all of our listeners were encouraged. I know Callie and I love getting to hear this story. I love getting to hear it anytime that I can. And so thank, thank you for having so much us. for joining us. It's so us. fun being with y'all. Of course. Well, we're going to take a quick break and we will be right back. Let's just talk about it. Callie, what would you say to those women in this moment? Oh, my gosh. I mean, I I was that woman, right? You know, I think for so long in my life with Christ, I allowed my fear to keep me from stepping out and sharing the gospel. I would tell people like, oh, evangelism is just, you know, it's not my gift. Or I heard that quote by St. Francis that said, preach the gospel at all times, if necessary, use words. And I'm not knocking on that quote, but I think what I did when I when I listened to that quotation is I go, oh, I'm off the hook. I can just love people into the kingdom. But but the truth is, we there's an element of bravery and there's an element of humility that's required to us stepping out of our own skin to a place where there might be a Sierra who looks at us like we're crazy. And that that might actually happen. But the beautiful thing is we are God's plan A of getting the gospel out to his people. And these aren't just people um, that we know or don't know. These are God's people who are made in his image whom he loves. He adores them. You know, C.S. Lewis has this quote in his book, Weight of Glory, where he talks about the fact that there are no ordinary people. He says, you've never talked to a mere mortal. And he says, immortals are people who we joke with, work with, marry, snub, and exploit. And he calls them, it's so interesting, he calls them one of two things, and this changed my life. He says they are either immortal horrors or everlasting splendors. Mm. And so we we are one of two things. Every single person that is on walking this earth is an immortal being. And they're going one of two places when they die. And when we are embraced with that truth, and I think sometimes in our culture today, we're like, well, we don't preach hellfire and damnation. We just want to preach that God is love and God is love. And he is love, but he loves us so much that he can't tolerate our sin. And so because he can't, he sent his son Jesus to die for us. And in Romans 10 verse 15 says, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. And I think it's easy to go one of two ways when we're thinking about sharing the love of Christ with people. We either put too much emphasis on ourselves, right? Like I have to say, 
the exact right thing or they're never going to trust in Christ. And I love how we heard Liz say, hey, there were times that I totally messed that up. There were times I flubbed my words. There were times I said weird, awkward things. So we either do that or we go too far on the other side and go, God's going to bring him into the kingdom anyway, so it doesn't matter if I say anything. Mm -hmm. And I, I think the truth is found in 1 Corinthians 3, 5 through 9. It says that I planted the seed, Apollos watered it, but God has been making it grow. So neither the one who plants nor the one who waters is anything, but only God who makes things grow. And so that's just this idea that we are workers in the service of God, and we don't need to lean too hard on the perfectionism of saying the exact right words. Honestly, just encourage one another that it is it is worth it to step out and say, I would go and tell Callie of old, you know, like we were talking about, don't let fear or giftedness keep you from sharing the gospel. Sharing the gospel is not a gift, it's it's a command. Mm -hmm. And so it is the only reason that I am left on this earth with breath in my lungs is because there are people that haven't yet entered into the kingdom of God and God wants to use me to be a part of that rescue plan. That's a good word, Callie. It's a good word. Get me all fiery and all passionate. fired up. Last thing I wanna know, what is your one big prayer? coming out of this episode. What are you hoping and praying and pleading to the Lord that will happen through his women? Oh, it's just a tiny prayer, Holly. I'm just praying this tiny prayer that through the faithfulness of the women listening to this podcast, we just transform this city, country, and world <laughs> for the cause of Christ with our faithfulness. Tiny. That is what I'm praying. Hey, but honestly, when we understand how big God is, that is a tiny prayer, but it can feel really big right now. It can feel really big, but I think we remind ourselves that every step toward grace, every step toward unity, toward kingdom work is huge to our God. And if the kingdom of God is upside down where the first really becomes the last and the least really becomes the greatest, then we can take him at his word that um, the blessing is in the obedience and the blessing is in us just stepping out in faith, knowing that God sees you, he's championing you, and you're not doing it alone. Mm -hmm. And so... If y'all don't mind, I would just love to end our time together um, with a little bit of prayer. So, Father God, we do. We just pray boldly and specifically that the women who are listening today um, would just take that next right step of faithfulness, that they would know that their feet are beautiful when they bring the good news. And they don't have to bring the good news with eloquence or with perfect words but they bring the good news with a heart full of humility, a heart that has been changed and saved um, from our own sin, and that because of that, we can share the beauty of your son, Jesus, with the people we come in contact with. God, you are kind, you are good, you are worthy, and we love you and we praise you today. And it is in the name of your son, Jesus. Amen. Amen. What a whirlwind of an episode. It's Callie. Awesome. Treat. Well, ladies, that's all we have time for today. If you want to learn more about The Collective, be sure to visit our website, watermark.org slash collective, and follow us on Instagram at watermark underscore collective. And if you have any questions about today's episodes, any prayer requests, any way that we can serve you, please email us at collective at watermark.org. And we will see you next time on The Collective Podcast. See you, girls.